0: Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today, we are covering Genesis 47, 48, Psalms 24, and Matthew 24. So, Genesis 47. Let's see. Everyone's settling in. The brothers and uh, everyone's got their prime piece of land. Joseph gave them the best of the land. Um, the Pharaoh asked the brothers what their occupation was, and sure enough, they said that they were shepherds, even though Last chapter, Joseph told him, don't tell Pharaoh you're a shepherd. Don't really know why he said that and why the brothers didn't listen and basically told him they were shepherds. Interesting that there was such a clear distinction. Either way, that's what happened. And then um, the father, Jacob, went to go meet Pharaoh also. They had a nice little chit-chat. Pharaoh asked him how old he was. He was 130 when he arrived. He actually died at 140 but um he he was 130 140 or something no 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 Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years and the years of his life were 140 oh 147 yes okay <clears throat> here's another interesting part about chapter 47 so the people who wanted to buy the grain they used their money they it was it was sort of their grain i think so they they go take their money go buy grain because there's a big famine They run out of money. Now they take their livestock to go buy grain. Now, years later, what's the third year or something like that, then they go to Joseph and they said, we don't have any more money. We don't have any more livestock. Wow. Here's where it said in verse 18 We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land why should we perish before your eyes we and our land as well buy us and our land in exchange for food huh. and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh give us seed so that we may live and not die and that the land may not become desolate interesting was sort of their idea, but I don't really like this part because, I, I don't know, it's not settling well with me. Maybe it'll reveal itself, or maybe it's supposed to tell me something. I'm not sure yet. Joseph said to the people, now that I have bought, this is later down verse 23, now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so you can plant it on the ground, but when the crop comes in, give a fifth to Pharaoh one fifth. The other four fifths you may keep as seed for the fields and as food for yourself and your household and your children. I guess that's fair. Okay, so that's that. Moving on to chapter 48. Now here we're talking about Manasseh and Ephraim. These are Joseph's children, his two boys. So Jacob's dying, so he's going to bless Joseph's sons because he's They get inheritance as well from Joseph. What's interesting is when Jacob says, bring me your son so I can bless them. He brings them close. And Ephraim is the, um, I believe Ephraim is the oldest. Let me double check. Um, Either way, he was supposed to put his right hand and bless the oldest, but he ended up crisscrossing his arms. Ephraim on his right towards Israel's left hand and Manasseh on his left towards Israel's right hand and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and he put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, there you go, and crossing his arms. He put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Well, Joseph didn't really like this. It was very disturbing. He said, no, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father said, I know, my son, I know. He, too, will become a people, and he, too, will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. He blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And there's the story of... Then Israel said to Joseph, I am about to die, but God will be with you and take you back to the land of your father's. And to you, I give you one more ridge of land than to your brothers. The ridge I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. Hmm, Interesting. Okay, so now we're going to move on to Psalms 24. Psalms 24, I'm just going to read it because it's not that long. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That would include us. Okay, listen to this again. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world, and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it in, on the waters. Who may ascend the mountains of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who is clean, one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swears by false gods. They will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, your you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. Beautiful. Very poetic, if not like well, kind of like a song. It's beautiful. So now we're going to get into Matthew 24. Now, let me just say that some people are going to be disturbed by Matthew 24. That's just a fact. There's so much confusion, not confusion, debate and discussion about the specifics of chapter 24 of Matthew. Basically, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the end times, and he's talking about his return. He's talking about false prophets coming coming out saying that they're the Messiah or doing signs and wonders and making them appear that they're the Messiah or even the elected officials acting like they're the Messiah. So there's going to be a lot of lies going on during the end of age, meaning the end of an era, not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the earth, physical earth itself. It means it's the end of an era. It could mean it's the end of earth. I don't know. But it says the end of an age, which doesn't clarify if it's the world. So I I tend to believe it's the end of an age or end of an era. So, um, and there's going to be a lot of signs that we're supposed to see like earthquakes and things like that. And that's going to be the beginning of the birthing pains. Jesus also went on to explain in verse 10, and I'll just read some chunks because it's just kind of hard to really um, give an opinion. And wherever you're at in your walk, you might understand it differently. Some people have been studying the Bible for years and years and years, so they have a real good piece about this chapter, and, and others don't. Um, it's kind of like teaching physics to you know a fourth grader. Where, where are you at on your walk? And I can't say that my... Remember, this is not... I'm not coming from a theological background. I'm coming from the place of, this is what I read today, and this is what I got. So... Um, but I do have a real great sense of peace about what I re- read here today. So here we are in verse ten. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Wow! But the one who stands firm in the end will be saved, and this gospel of this of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That is why in 2020, a lot of people were starting to say, this is it. We're towards the end because people were starting to hate each other. People were getting cold. There was um, just a lot of craziness going on in the world. And people were just really interpreting interpreting as signs of the end of time. However, to be honest, once Jesus died on the cross, it was really the beginning of the end. So we have been in end times for a long, long time. So I, I, I can't be clear, but some people are just adamant that we're very close. And some people are, say, well, it says down here um, on verse 26, verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the... The son of man, for in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the son of man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill and one will be taken and one will be left. That's pretty clear. Basically, he's saying be on watch. Don't let yourself get complacent. Um, the Bible is very clear. You know, it's like, love God, don't have idols. Love your neighbors as yourself it means love yourself and your neighbors. Take care of things. Be a, pursue a relationship with God. Do your best to do good. Ask for forgiveness. All those things we already know. Anybody's saying, what Jesus is saying, even in the good times, don't let up. Even in the bad times, don't lose heart. The time will come, so just stay stay clear on um on w- what has been taught here and what Jesus has been teaching and we're only at matthew twenty four and we learn so much already um, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on the um on what day your Lord will come <clears throat> but understand this: if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and he would not have left his house be broken into. That's what Jesus is saying. Stay on top of things. But if you read, if you're sticking with this kingdom.think and you're reading the Bible every day, that is keeping watch. That is staying on top of things because God is going to speak to you. It could be a passage that you've read many times before, but God is going to speak to you through that. That's what he means by keeping watch, keep growing in relationship and, and mature. You're going to, one year you're going to be like, they're teaching physics to a fourth grader, but then the next year you're going to be a fifth grader learning physics. And then you just continue. And eventually things are going to make sense and you're going to have such a peace about it. But remember, you're not supposed to know everything right away. You've got to not stress about it. Not look at it from black and white, but let the Holy Spirit speak to you through these stories, through these scriptures, through these words that Jesus is depicting. And um, yeah, this, is a, this, is a, this was a heavy chapter. I highly recommend you go back, you read it, ponder on it, and don't let yourself get all worked up or even scared because there's nothing to be afraid of. He's giving such clear, clear direction. And he's giving such incredible warning. It's so funny, because people think that they know how God should have done things or how Jesus should have done things, but He's so clear. And um, and this is this is a chapter where He's just really clear. You got to read it. It's so delicious.